Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Please remain standing as we read the scripture. Isaiah 52, 7 through 10, 13 through 15, and then 53, 1 to 12. Beginning now with 52, um, 7 through 10. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, and, uh, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, you watchmen, lift up your voices. Together they shout for joy. When Jehovah returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes, burst into song and joy together. Your, you, your, you ruins of Jerusalem, for Jehovah has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Jehovah will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see God of salvation. And then verses 13 through 15. See my servant, will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted, just as there were many who were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. He will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For those who were not told will see, and those who have not heard will understand." And then Isaiah 53, 1 to 12. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of Jehovah uh, been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of the dry ground. He has no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and familiar with sufferings, like one from whom men hide their faces. Like he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and Jehovah has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not, did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression or arrest, and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, and with the rich his death. Though he had done no violence, nor any deceit in his mouth, although it was Jehovah's will to crush him, and to cause him to suffer, and though Jehovah makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offering and prolong his days. He will, 
He, and will the will of Jehovah will prosper in his hand and after suffering of his soul. And he will, he will see the result of the suffering of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. He will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for transgressions. You may be seated. Let us pray. O Lord our God, we ask that your Holy Spirit will be with us and help us to understand your word given by the prophet Isaiah long ago before our Savior came to this earth. Teach us to have it applied to our hearts by thy Spirit, that we may know what Jesus has done for us when we are lost in our sins. Be praised and honored and glorified, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Extra! Extra! Read all about it! Headlines, Peace in Our Time. This comes from the Jerusalem Times. And Isaiah is one of the ones that writes these columns. And he writes these words to teach us what God wants us to know. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, God reigns. Interesting. Have you ever seen beautiful feet? Have you looked at the feet of your pastor yet? Why are the feet so beautiful? The feet of the ones who has beautiful feet is one coming from a victory of war against the enemy. He comes over the mountains and he comes to tell the nation what has happened. So his feet are beautiful. Every time your pastor preaches, his feet are beautiful. So that's a simile, it's a metaphor, it's not literally be taken, but those feet are the ones that are rushing to get to you to get the news. They bring good news and the good news of God's grace that there's peace in our time to proclaim salvation. This is one of the columns in the Jerusalem Times that Isaiah was writing for his editorship, whatever you want to call it, and say to God, He reigns. He is on the throne. That's good news. That's an extra thing. Listen, you watchmen, lift up your voices and shout for joy. I was once a uh, newspaper boy on the corner of Brazil and Mission Street in San Francisco. And there were times where I had to hold up my paper and I only made, it was seven cents for paper in those days. I made two cents out of it. And I held up and had to say, extra, extra, read all about it. It might have been bad news or good news. But we have, every time the gospel is preached, it's extra, extra. Listen all about it. Read all about it. It's most important because when Jehovah returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes, 
burst into song and to joy together. The Lord, or Jehovah, will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nation. So this news is not just to Israel, but it's to the, all the world, to all the nations. Really, the gospel is proclaimed throughout the book of Isaiah. The Jehovah will thereby uh, bear his arm. All the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. September, I think it's 30th, 1938, Neville Ch Chamberlain came back from Germany. He was the Prime Minister of England, and he held up this paper that Hitler signed, and he said, now peace in our time. And what happened after that? Czechoslovakia and Poland were invaded. There was no peace in our time whatsoever. Now, I hold up this book and say we have peace in our time. We're in the time of God's grace. It's the time of jubilee. It's the day of redemption and salvation that Jesus came to announce. And there will be no disappointment, no fake news. This is genuine news that we need to heed to and to listen to the good news. And we want to... Explain that news to everyone around us. First, our family, our neighbors, our friends, wherever we can. We're not all preachers. We don't have to do a preaching work, but we can by our lives. Even the woman of Samaria, she went and told the people of Samaria all that Jesus told about her. She gave a personal testimony. Everyone who believes in Christ has a personal testimony. We should not be ashamed of it. There'll be opportunities when people may ask you about your testimony. And there may be times when you can give it freely and should give it when the opportunity is there. So this proclaiming of good news, of peace, is our responsibility. But we see more of this now that we see that Jehovah has a wise servant who is really the core or the center of this good news. And so we read in verse 13 and following verses, See, my servant will act wisely, prudently. He will be raised up and lifted up, highly exalted. Here is but an outline of the wise servant who is going to do something and bring this good news into this world. Just as there are many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond any man, and his form was marred beyond human likeness. He was not very popular. He was not a Hollywood star where everybody would go or some great singer with people just like the Beatles where the women would go crazy and screaming and hollering. He was not someone to look in that sense. And so his form was marred beyond all human life. Is this a metaphor? He was not what you call an outstanding person. He was born in a manger. He lived in Nazareth, and people said, what good could come out of Nazareth? So there was despising there. But here's what he does. He will sprinkle many nations. What does that mean? By his blood, the world will see salvation and be purified. Many nations will bow down for that.
We should pray for various nations. We should pray for China right now, where the zeal of many Christians is outnumbered and strong as any of us in our country. They're willing to die for their faith. Maybe we will someday in our lifetime see peace come to them. Not necessarily political peace, but peace to the soul and to the heart. And kings will shut their mouths because of him. They don't know what to say. It's beyond for those who were not uh, for those who were not told will see, and those who have not heard will understand. So there is the great, great prosperity is yet to come. This one will act wisely. So that's Jehovah's wise servants. He will be exalted, and he will purify nations. But then there's the question of identity. Who is this servant? In a sense, I already give you that answer. But there is this identity. Well, do we have this problem now about IDs? Do we have IDs to vote? We have to ID to get on the airplane. We go to Kaiser, we have to have our medical uh, card and our ID so there will be no fraud. So there's great concern for identification. How much more that we know who is the one this wise servant that comes to this world, do we are able to identify him and know who he is? He is a servant. And we look at the first three verses of Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of Jehovah been revealed? Do we know who he is? Do we believe the message? And then we see again another description of this person. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a rod out of dry ground, had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Coming out of the dry ground, he was not some great plant that we behold, but again, these are metaphors. He was despised and rejected of men. Well, we know of that, of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, when this one who is we identify as Jesus. He was despised, and he was a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering, like one whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. In the ancient Near East, when some was judged to be guilty, they would turn their faces from the guilty one. In England, in jurisprudence, uh, when one was condemned or guilty in court uh, for murder, the judge would put a black veil over his head to remind them that this one is to look away from. And this is how Jesus was regarded in that. And uh, this is, he was, he was despised and esteemed, and we esteemed him not. Well, with this first three verses, we do identify him. Christ identifies himself with this very passage. He says, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for men. He there declared he is the servant of Jehovah, according to this passage. And then we go on to see that uh, this suffering of Jehovah's servant in the next few verses, verses 4 through 9. Surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows, and yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. 
Did you ever notice that these words were written in the past tense, not in the future tense? He took up and carried. Dr. Young, who was a professor of Old Testament at Westminster Seminary, wrote three volumes of commentary on the book of Isaiah. And one of the things he noted there that all the prophecies for the future were written in the past tense. Why? Because in the Hebrew mind, if you read it in the past tense, that means surely it's going to happen. It's certain and sure. What an interesting observation that this was not something, oh, it may happen, but 700 years later, it did happen. And it was fulfilled in Christ. He, he did take our infirmities, all the difficulties of our life, all the sorrows of the life, as he called a man of sorrows. But he was stricken by God. That is something contrary to our understanding. But God struck him. He was smitten by him, and he was afflicted. Here is the suffering servant. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. As our deacon read the scriptures from uh, Isaiah chapter 1, how the head, the whole head is sick. Terrible sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And now Christ our Savior, who is identified with this passage, is the one who suffers for us as a substitute taking our place. It is sad the Jewish mind today thinks this identity is the nation, that the nation suffered, and the nation suffered for iniquities. How can the nation be forgiven? How can they forgive themselves? Have you heard that? Oh, I, haven't, I can't forgive myself. And, you know, I need to forgive myself. That is wrong. You can't forgive yourself. That's impossible. So Israel was wrong. The Jewish nation is wrong. Only Christ, the punishment that brought us peace upon, is upon him. If we're going to have that peace that's proclaimed throughout the nation, it's because Jesus suffered and paid the price of peace. Isn't that a wonderful good news? That only Christ could fulfill this prophecy. By his wounds we are healed because we are sick in sin. All we like sheep have gone astray. All of us have turned to his own way. And Jehovah has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Laid on him, not the nation. Laid on him and him alone. That is the substitution of our Lord Jesus Christ to bear iniquities. We could not do it ourselves. And so as we identify that servant, he is the suffering servant uh, that has died for us. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet we did not op- he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before the shearers is silent. He did not open his mouth by arrest or oppression and judgment, he was taken away. All, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off in the land of the living for the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned with the grave of the wicked and with the rich his death, though he'd done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Was he not arrested? 
by the Sanhedrin and came before Pilate? Was he not afflicted? Was he not tortured and beaten? Yet he did not open his mouth. We read that very clearly in the gospel. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He was taken up to the Calvary Hill and was nailed to the cross. And as sheep before his shearers was silent, he did not open his mouth. He did the will of God, though he struggled with that in the garden. Oh, that this cup can be removed from me. But he said, not my will, but your will. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Who can speak of his descendants? Who, who's going to be his descendants? Is there anybody going to be there? After he dies, he was cut off from the land of the living. Here was the Son of God and the Son of Man. As the Son of Man, as a human being, he did suffer all the things of death itself. He was cut off from the land of the living. Why? For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was done, he was done in, so to speak. And then we read, he was, his grave with the wicked. Well, his grave, in a sense, was at the cross with two wicked men on each side. So it is the fulfillment, right, to the word. And, and in the rich in his death. Joseph of Arathia, a rich man, gave his tomb so that he'd be laid there. Though he had done no violence, nor there was any deceit in his mouth. He was the perfect man and the perfect God. Two natures, one person. Here was the suffering for the sins of his people. Are you, are you his people today? Do you know if he died for you, made the affliction so that you could live? But at the end of this great passage, this column in the Jer Jerusalem Times that Isaiah is giving to us in good news, we see the victory of this Jehovah's servant. Look at verses 10 through 12. Although he was Jehovah, it was Jehovah's will to crush him and cause him to suffer, and though the Lord or Jehovah makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and proclaim his name, his days. He will see Jehovah and prosper in his hand. Isn't that a wonderful? Even though he just was crushed, even though he, it caused him to suffer, the Lord makes and made him like a guilt offering, as we see in Leviticus. He will see his offspring. That means he was raised from the dead. He will have children, not literal children, but people that God gave to Jesus. All that the Father has given to me will come to me. And all those who come to me, I will not cast out. Isn't that good news? Isn't that the peace that passes all understanding? Um, after the suffering of his soul, he will be, what has done, uh, the result of his suffering, he will be satisfied. And his, by his knowledge, my righteous will justify. Jesus rose from the dead, as we read in uh, Romans 4 and 6, that his resurrection was able to bring Christ to the throne of grace and to justify his people through faith. 
to declare them righteous before God. Justification is a gift of our grace at God. And he justifies. And again, it's in the, it's, 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 it's the future. And here we see, we'll justify many. And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I'll give a portion among the great, him. That means he has a victory. He has won the war against his enemies. He will divide the spoils with the strong. And we become the strong in Jesus because he has overcome all his enemies. In his ascension, he gives gifts to men. And we have all kinds of gifts in the church because he's poured out his life unto death. And he was numbered among the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and he continues to be make intercession for uh, the transgressors. There is a wonderful hymn that I'd like to close this message. It's a hymn. It's 354. Not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace and wash away the stain. But Christ, the heavenly Lamb, takes all our sins away, a sacrifice of nobler name and richer blood than they. My faith would lay her hand on this dear head of thine, while a, like a penitent I stand and there confess my sin. My soul looks back to see the burdens thou didst bear when hanging on the cursed tree and knows her guilt was there. Believing, we rejoice to see the curse removed. We bless the Lamb with cheerful voice and sing his blessed love. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, <coughs> we thank you for your love to us in Christ Jesus. The fulfillment of this great prophecy that you gave Isaiah long ago, that Jesus, the suffering servant, has become the victorious servant for us, that he now sits at your right hand and is able to intercede on our behalf. He who has justified us through his righteousness, a righteousness that we did not have our own, but is a gift, a grace gift, that we have in him. And we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. May that Spirit sanctify us day by day as we walk in him. Teach us, O oh Lord, to believe in Jesus. If there are those who do not believe, may your Holy Spirit move their hearts and give them new birth so they may see the kingdom and enter into it with a new will to believe that Jesus, who will not uh, cast anyone away that come to him. We thank you for your blessedness and your grace and that we have peace in our time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at newcovenantopc.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. May God enlighten the eyes of your heart 
that through the preached word, your eyes may be opened to behold the glory of Christ more and more.